Successful Minds with Patricia Barnowski-Schneider, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant people on the planet. Hear their stories and get the most important business lessons they have learned on their road to success and get exclusive advice on how to implement their success into your life and business. Successful Minds with Patricia Barnowski-Schneider is brought to you by the Strategic Advisor Board and your host, Patricia Barnowski-Schneider. Hello and welcome back to Successful Minds. I'm your host, Patty Baranowski-Schneider. Today I'm joined by Kim Stevenson Formakis, who provides coaching and online education for various topics. So I'm going to leave it to her to tell you a bit about it. So welcome, Kim. Tell us a little bit about yourself. So I'm first time mom at 38, uh, currently pregnant with my second at 41. Oh, congrats! Which is very exciting. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I'm a personal trainer, life coach, and nutrition coach. And I've written my first book, Empowered Eating, Binge Free Forever. I do online coaching and face-to-face here in Canberra, Australia. And it's something that I've been really passionate about since a teenager, having been through my own issues. It was really important for me to show the world that there is another way and that it doesn't, health and fitness isn't just about the body. It is also about the mind as well. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that's awesome because so many people, you know, they kind of fall into this rut. And I guess years ago, nobody spoke about this stuff. It was Mm -hmm. kind of like they were shamed and they kept it to themselves. And now it just seems like people are becoming a lot more outspoken about it and having people who can say, I've been in your shoes. You know, it's not like someone who read a book. It's I've been in your shoes and you're not alone. I mean, that's one huge thing where people are like, oh, I am. And to see you to say, okay, I can overcome this. Look at her. She did it. You know, that's, yeah. that's nice. Now, thank you. So, thank you. Sure. <laughs> now, can you describe the journey that led you to become a life coach and how are, you know, how have your own experience, um, you know, inform your coaching philosophy? So I had a very turmoil childhood. And through that came some very unresourceful behaviours, binge drinking when I was in my teens and 20s, and then also binge eating to the point where I was taking laxatives to try and purge out what I was doing or starving myself stupidly. And then from there, I did get into the fitness industry in my mid-20s and I was teaching people how to eat and how to train, but I was the one going home and binging. So I was this fraud. And then... I thought, well, okay, I need a goal. I'll go, well, okay, I'll do bodybuilding, which when you've got perfectionist tendon- tendencies from childhood, that's like the ultimate, I'm going to get judged and be perfect on stage and have this perfect body. And it was my second year of competing and I got down to my goal weight of 46 kilos for stage. But that whole entire week, I was binging out of control. I was like, I've hit my goal. Like I got to where I wanted to be and yet I'm like, completely sabotaging this and this is where I'm like I've got to do something there's something else here that I'm missing and I tried psychologists and I tried counselors and they work for some people they just weren't the right mix for me and for me it was actually a life coach and hypnotherapist that helped me go through all of the childhood trauma and reframe it and leave it where it was so that I could actually move forward so I did that and I went okay well, okay, if I can overcome binging, and I've been binge-free since 2011, then I can teach other people. So I'll go get my qualification and add that to the nutrition coaching that I'm already doing and the PT. And the mindset stuff, that becomes then the trifecta of results for particularly women 
because we're the ones that will turn to food. Men might turn to gambling or drinking, where women, we kind of turn to food. So then that came that model of the three important factors, and then I named it Empowered Eating and wrote my book about it. And if I didn't get through all that binging behaviour, I wouldn't be able to stand on stage or on the platform for powerlifting. And I was just before I had bubs or got pregnant with this one, I came first in uh, at Worlds for the APL Worlds and mm-hmm. prior to that was ranking fourth in the world for IPF for yes. powerlifting and have a very high power-to-weight ratio for my bench. So I maintain my weight at 63 kilos, 63 to 65, my weight class is 63, and I bench 117 kilos. Now, I wouldn't be able to get to that point if it wasn't for going through and working through a lot of that trauma stuff that I needed to work through. So I want to be that role model for women to go, one, we can break the cycle. We don't have to complete the trauma cycle and keep it ongoing, but also that you can break free and leave your past in the past. You can become that person that you want to be and you can be that role model for your kids. You can be that role model for your community or even just other family members that have been through the same stuff as you you can show them what's possible. And I do that by leading by example, but then also giving those tools and strategies. That's awesome. Because, yeah, you know, one thing I always found that was a little tricky is with like psychologists and things like that. Mm. You know, it's crazy the the world we're living in because it's like they claim they want to help you, but the reality Mm. is do they? Because then they lose that money. So it almost seems like they kind of pacify you and we'll talk it out. I know somebody went to therapy for years why does it take yeah. that long? It shouldn't be, you know, it's just, no. but it's money for them. So having someone yeah. again, who's been there and people can see that and you know what you're talking about. It's not like you read it in a course or whatever. You've been there. You you know what they're feeling. You know what they're thinking, you yes. know, and that makes it personal. And a lot of the tools and strategies I share is stuff I've done myself because right. I've been through the same thing. Yeah. Now tell us in your coaching, you emphasize discovering one true self. So can you share a transformative moment with a client when they truly understood and embraced their essence? So a lot of what I do talk about is the childhood trauma that comes from the ages zero to five. So something has happened from the ages zero to five, zero to seven, that then they've created a thought and belief about themselves. And then the rest of their life, they're looking for evidence because when you believe something, your reticular activating system in your brain is looking for more and more evidence to back up what you believe and this one and this is just a trigger warning for those just out there I had a client come to me and she was getting migraines and okay yes there's medical intervention you can get Botox you can have uh, Panadol you can take Nurofen all that kind of stuff but let's actually just look at what message these migraines might be giving you and so we sat there and through a full-on, like, in-depth, hour-long life coaching session, we discovered that, well, I knew some of the background story anyway, that the childhood trauma of sexual abuse actually causes her migraines and how this plays out as an adult with two kids and a husband when she needs to be taken care of or she needs time out or anything, she doesn't have the resources, or she does now, but before then, to put her hand up and go, hey, I just need to be nurtured, I need some attention, I need to be loved, I need these things from my husband. But instead she gets migraines because that enables her to then have a form of attention that isn't sexual because obviously the sexual stuff triggers the childhood stuff. 
So the migraines were serving a purpose. They were a reason why she was getting it. And it was a message from her body that, hey, I need attention. I don't want sexual attention. I just want to be looked after. So the migraines enabled her to check out, get attention from her husband, also to have a break from the kids. And I talk a lot to women, especially mothers, that you do have the ability to take nurture all time. You don't have to repeat generational martyrdom syndrome of go, 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 go. It's very important that you do take time out for yourself. I call it nurture soul time. So these were the three things that she wasn't articulating and she wasn't speaking up because of obviously the abuse and everything that happened in her childhood. She wasn't used to speaking up either. So we're building some skills around that. So once we identified what the migraines were, she was able to put in some strategies, but also talk herself down from the migraines. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you, body, for the message. It's okay. Thank you. I will ask for my husband to help me. I will take some time out for myself. I will ask him to take a little bit more help around the house with the kids. So we were able to build those strategies, but it wasn't until we identified what was the message that she was getting from the migraines. Mm-hmm. And she was a binge eater because, again, the migraines and the binging, it's all very interlocked and very similar. The binging was because she couldn't escape and it became an unresourceful way of escaping. She felt abandoned as a child so because of her mum not pursuing and standing up for her and protecting her. So, and then there was the whole people pleasing, I need to be the martyr of the family. So there was lots and lots of layers there that were showing out and binging and the migraines. Um, you know, it is crazy when you say about not doing the go-go-go that you were raised for, because I talk about that a lot where, you know, generations change. But yeah. like, I'll just say I'm one of two, you know, three kids and mm. everybody you know, you have those that just follow the same pattern of what you were raised to believe. And then you have that one that just wants to go against the grain, which was me. I wanted to do things on my own and do things different. But I see that a lot with, you know, so many other people my age with their children. They're different now. But so many people are kind of like, well, this is how it was. This is how it was with my mom. This is how it was before. Yeah, But people evolve. It's not how it was. So some who are brave enough to just venture off and try to make things different will be a lot happier because back in the day was you have to work you didn't have to be happy about it you had to work women Mm. stay home and take care of the kids husband go to work again you could be working 20 hours doesn't matter that's your job take care of the family like where was the happiness and all of that so nowadays um you know people need to break out of that which is awesome yes yeah now you have a multifaceted approach to coaching incorporating Mm. nlp and intuitive wisdom so how did these methodologies enhance the coaching experience for your clients? So for me, it's always about how can I collect more tools and strategies to help my clients? So it started out with life coaching, then it, it went into NLP and then RTT. And my next one on my list is hypnotherapy. So there's been many, many steps to gather gathering more and more tools and strategies and then I do make it my own because if it comes from my own experience through binging I'm like well would this really help yes it would uh one of the biggest tools I use is forgiveness letters and it's not about condoning what had happened from you to you it's about stop drinking the poison and hoping someone else will die because I did that like with my biological father he was very abusive he was violent he was incarcerated And there was a lot of stuff around it. And then I came through in a domestic violence situation through my mother and her choice of the next partner. 
And then the next big thing that happened to me, I lost a boyfriend to suicide. So there's all this stuff and I had to go back and forgive these people, not condone what they did, but set myself free from the poison that I was drinking because that was one of the root causes of my perfectionism, my binging, my binge drinking, and just my workaholism. All that was this big ball of stuff that I just had to work through. And then from that, by getting those skills in life coaching and NLP and RTT, it enabled me then to mould something to help my clients. And the forgiveness letters was one of the biggest ones. There's obviously lots of other tools that I teach, Mm -hmm. but that one was the one that set me personally free. You hear, well, first, let's maybe for those that don't know what it, explain what NLP is. So neuro-linguistic program. So it's the language that we use to program our brain. And I'll use a very common one that everybody relates to. So when my clients say losing weight, and this is when I first meet them, I go, okay, so what happens when you lose something? You find it, don't you? So let's use some different words. It could be along the lines of shifting weight or releasing weight. And it's just that change in language that programs your brain to then be able to release the weight. Mm-hmm. Another one, obviously, is the way that we talk to ourselves and a lot of women, especially because that's predominantly what who I coach, they don't speak to themselves like their friend or their, even their own child. They berate themselves and it's like, well, if you're telling off a child, what do they do? They become more and more naughty because any attention is good attention. And it's like changing that language about how you talk to yourself and using mantras such as I am worthy, I am enough. I love and approve of myself, or even if you can't get to love, it's like I like and approve of myself. These mantras then reprogram your brain, which is part of the NLP, the neuro-linguistic programming, linguistic programming. So they're some of the elements that we use as well. Awesome. And it's I know what you say about forgiving people. Um, You know, I've been through hell and back myself, and that's one of the hardest things. It's healthy for you to forgive. And like you say, not condone it, but, you know, and it's sometimes I'm always like, mm, that's such a hard pill to swallow because mm. people have done some horrible stuff. And it's yeah. like, you know, but it, it still attaches to you until you just forget because then it's gone. You know, it's a hard, hard thing to do, but I'm glad that you're helping people because a lot of people, like you say, they're in this situation because of things that have happened to them. And until yes. you learn how to f- just let loose and just get rid of it by forgiving, they're never going to be rid of it, you know, it's so crazy. And that's what I say about becoming neutral about it. Right. It's like have no feeling. Like I have no feeling about my biological father now. It's just neutral. But I had to revisit what I made that whole situation mean about me. I made it mean I was flawed. I wasn't lovable. I didn't deserve success. I wasn't worthy. That whole scenario meant this. And I had to go right back and revisit. Okay, I'm not flawed. I am worthy. I didn't come out of the womb not worthy. It's I made that mean about me from what he did to me. Right. So it's revisiting that as well as the forgiveness side so that you do become neutral. Right. Now, regarding dating and relationships, they can be complex territories. So what's the yes. most common challenge your clients face when looking for new love and what strategies do you recommend to overcome? So first of all, and this is coming from my own experience, I've been married before, uh, no kids to my first husband, but I I was married. And then for me, after that split up, I had to go through a whole lot of stuff, which was 
oh, I failed. I was raised in a Christian family. You don't divorce. Even though my mom did it three times. I don't know how. <laughs> but anyway. It's the old, do as I, do as I say, that is a good thing. But it's that coding from the church. So I had to work through all of that stuff first. And then I'm like, well, I don't want to bring all of this into my next relationship. So I have to go through and work through all this stuff so I don't have the excess baggage. So definitely the first step is always, always, always work on yourself first. Get yourself to the level that you feel that you're comfortable going out into the world because like attracts like. If you're in a really low position, then that's going to come out in what I call your X factor in the way that you portray yourself, your body language, your confidence or lack thereof. So do work on that fundamental stuff yourself and then what is it that you want in a partner? The morals, the values, a bit like a shopping list, write out all that stuff that you want. And then if you find 80% of it, then you're doing really well. And then look at getting to know that person. And the biggest clues I always say is your family. Look at their family, look at their family dynamics, see how they operate, how they communicate with their parents. And then that will give you some clues as to how they operate. And then that way you can move forward into more of a loving relationship. So I'm now happily married to my husband. I went on 49 dates to meet him because I had a set criteria of what I wanted, but I also had done the work. I was confident that I was showing up the best I could possibly be because I'd done all the emotional work as well. So a big part of that is doing the emotional work. And I do have mainly mums at the moment, but I've had single clients because they've come to me to work through their emotional eating because the worst thing that could possibly happen to them is to have a boyfriend walk in on them doing a binging episode or something like that. So they come to me because of that. And then we work on all that foundational stuff, the the childhood stuff, and then moving them forward so that they can be the best possible version of them so that they know intrinsically that they're worthy and then they are going to attract a partner or a mate that has that same level of confidence Mm -hmm so that they don't have a toxic relationship. And if you've looked at things like your attachment theories uh, with anxious attachment or avoidant attachment, you don't want those type of people in a relationship, so you've got to work through your attachment stuff from your childhood first to be able to then put yourself in that best possible position. You don't realise how it's all tied in together. You know, you just think, oh, you know, I must you know, I must just be a bad person. I, I suck. You know, I mean, there's mm, reasons yeah. for it. Um, so good that you're, you know, basically tackling all of it for them. Yeah. yeah. It's all layers and layers and layers of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, we kind of spoken that, but many people struggle with self-worth and confidence, especially after breakup. So how do you guide someone to rebuild these aspects of themselves? So definitely looking at why you have those self-confidence issues that's the biggest key and I've mentioned it so many times it is that childhood stuff that's unresolved and that thought and belief that you create about yourself as to why you're not worthy and why you don't have confidence so it's looking at those limiting beliefs and then looking at oh okay where else in my life do I have vacuums I again go back to dating stories I had a guy and he was correct he told me I was boring And it was probably the best thing he ever did to me because I was so focused on just training and exercise, and this is while I was bodybuilding, so I didn't have anything else in my life. So it was about looking at where are the vacuums in your life. There might be a vacuum in spirituality. There might be a vacuum in hobbies and 
interest. There might be a vacuum in your career and you're not happy. And all these little parts, it's kind of like a, a wheel that travels down the road. If there's some glitches in it, the wheel's not going to move forward. There's going to be vacuums. And that's when people do emotionally eat as well that comes into it. So it's looking at those vacuums, looking at those limiting beliefs, looking at what stories am I telling myself that aren't true, that it's just something that happened to me, and then working through that to be able to feel that you're much whole, you're a whole person that has purpose and what is it that you actually want to do moving forward, having a compelling future to also move towards. And it's tricky because I know you mentioned like the age group, um, you know, most of us, like, I think I have one vague memory of one time thing when I was three years old, I had one vague memory when I was in kindergarten. But other than that, you don't really remember much before like second grade, you know, yeah. so people have a lot of trauma that they just kind of suppress in their head because, you know, you were young, you don't know, but being, you know, it's good that you help them bring that out because if that is the cause of this problem, you suppress it even more because you don't yes. want to think about it, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Now tell us, career, career transition can be daunting. So what's the first step you advise for someone looking to pivot their career and how do you help them navigate the process? So definitely start to look at what is it that you want to do long-term that brings you joy? So first of all, what is it that you enjoy? Like I love, I have loved self-development since I was a teenager. Uh, the Road Less Travelled by M. Miller Scott or something along those lines was the first ever self-development book I read. And I was obsessed with health and fitness. So Dolly magazines and Girlfriend magazines and then Cleo and Marie Claire. So I was always obsessed with the personal development and the nutrition and training. So then I was able to, after I had a stint in hospitality, was able to create a life around what it is that I love So finding things that you enjoyed as a child, what is it that you you love doing now? How would you like to make impact? And what are you good at? If you assess all of those and just brainstorm like all over a piece of paper, like one it onto a page, then you might be able to find some clues and join some dots and go, oh, I can create something out of that. And it might start as a side hustle. Start it as a side hustle. Don't put the pressure on yourself to create it into a business or something that's successful straight away, you might have to slowly reduce the hours at work and slowly increase your side hustle to one day do be able to take it on as a full-time business, but just take that pressure off and work on it on the side. And it may mean that you have to be very vigilant about scheduling. You have to set time aside. And mums, we become very, very creative on how we use our time because I know now in business, I only have half an hour here, an hour here while she's napping, things like that, where I become very pedantic about what am I doing? Am I doing money-making tasks and things that are going to move me along? Or am I just doing busy tasks for the sake of doing busy tasks? They're scheduling it in. Yeah. No, it is cool that, um, you know, finding what makes you happy because, like, I remember when I was a kid, I always wanted to be a veterinarian because I loved animals until I realized how many years of school you had to go through. And I was like, yeah, no. <laughs> but, you know, there's other things that I could do if I love animals. You know, you, like, yeah. a lot of people in my family, they did dog walking, dog boarding. You could work, you yes. know, volunteer in an animal shelter. You could do anything that brings that joy. Doesn't mean yes. that I have to go full fledged, you know, but 
Yeah, yeah. People just have to investigate a little bit and <laughs> be creative. And if you have a job that you don't particularly like, right. you might frame it as a platform. Okay, I get paid to sit in an office and do some reception work. Right. But outside of that, I'm now doing something I love, which is volunteering for the local, or we call them RSPCA here. I'm not sure what you guys call it over there, but the animal shelters. Oh, okay. and <laughs> yeah, we're <my> RSPCA. <laughs> ah, <laughs> so thinking that this job gives me a platform to do this. Right. Or like some clients, I had a client that loves absolutely loves sailing. So the public service job that we have here in Canberra, that's her platform to be able to do what she loves. Right. It's yeah, also what it. Yeah, yeah, just get creative. Now, yes. you mentioned this a little bit with spirituality. So can you explain the role of spirituality in becoming one's best self and how do you integrate this into your coaching practice? So for, and it depends on people's background. A lot of people do believe in something higher than themselves. Yeah. Uh, I have my own Christian faith, but it is whatever it means to you. It could be angels, universe, something higher than you. And it is about spending time with that higher person. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a person. It could be he, she, could be just something like the universe. So getting in tune with that, and that comes down to things like meditation. And meditation to me is just about reducing cortisol and just letting the dust settle and de-stressing yourself because it's like a muddy bucket of water. If you've got a muddy bucket of water, the rocks and everything are all messy. And then if you sit still and do meditation or journaling or just be out in nature, then it settles and then you've got the clear water above the top and that becomes then your clarity and then you're able to get messages or inspired action on. And that inspired action, okay, a bit woo-woo, it could be coming from the universe, but actually it could just be coming from your unconscious brain. I don't mind. Whatever works for you <laughs> is about what works for you. So then using that time to just be still and be in the present because we just go, 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 go all the time and we don't allow ourselves to actually settle. And it might be coming up with a list of different things that you can do to bring down your cortisol. It could be in nature. It could be yoga. It could be sitting by the ocean. It could be journaling. It could be meditating. Whatever it is for you, but you need that downtime so that you can connect to that higher source, mm-hmm. and so that you can get those in, inspired actions and messages. No, I agree with you one hundred percent. So now, telling me, healing from false beliefs and releasing trauma—they're significant parts of personal growth. So, can you discuss a technique you find particularly effective in facilitating this healing? Yeah, absolutely. Having an outside person certainly does help. So a coach, but also, as I mentioned, the forgiveness letters, the mantras, rewriting your brain, basically, that's what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Having a look at, like, where are the vacuums in your life? What other things that you could be soothing with unresourceful behaviour? So is it abandonment stuff from your childhood? Is it people-pleasing? Is it belief that you have to work hard because nothing comes to those that are that are cruising along in life uh are you feeling not safe or have you felt not safe in your childhood is it being visible do you have a fear of being visible because that gave you unwanted attention somewhere uh is it escapism is it perfectionism so looking at where those vacuums are in your life and what that has now played out as an adult 
so that you can do the adult work and move through that stuff. And then one that I haven't mentioned, which I find just clears up the energy. And again, it could be a bit too woo-woo for some people, but clearing the energy by doing some decluttering. So I did this recently. I decided to declutter my wardrobe. One also, by the way, for those that are struggling and wanting to shift their weight by decluttering out the the excess sizes that are too big for you, it also unconsciously tells the brain that, look, we're not going back to that size, so we're going to get rid of it. So I was wanting some new clients and I decluttered my wardrobe. I went for a walk and I ran into someone in the neighbourhood and she actually for the first time asked me what I do for a living and I said, I'm a life coach, personal trainer, nutrition coach, and she's like, I've been looking for a personal trainer. To me, it was just too coincidental that I decluttered (laughs) and then found a brand new client. Yeah, but also to shift energy as well that's important yeah um it's funny what you just talked about how um you know listen to your body listen to your things it's i just had this conversation yesterday your body is and your mind is trying to communicate with you whether you realize it or not and we just spoke about this yesterday how i used to always have nightmares of being stuck in an elevator for years i had nightmares i would just be in this little elevator i'd be i'm terrified and i remember somebody saying to me i was in um I felt stuck in these relationships that I didn't want to be in. And once they explained it to me, do you know, I never had that nightmare again, but it was my, my I guess my mind's way of saying you're, you feel stuck. You have to break free, you know? So yeah, listen There's to these little, little signs. Message. Yeah. Listen to the signs. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So now identifying and alter, altering self-sabotaging patterns, it's crucial for personal mm-hmm. development. So what is a common pattern you see and what's the first step towards changing it? So definitely, and I actually call this empowered eating sabotages. So it is the abandonment, the people-pleasing behavior, the believing that you have to do hard work, that you don't feel safe, that being visible is not safe, escapism, and perfectionism. They're all, they're the common ones that I come across in coaching. And obviously there's a lot more. Uh, One, it was really interesting yesterday in my life coaching session we came to an understanding through exploration. It's like I'm an investigator and we go investigating into the little dark corners of the client's life. And for her, a feeling of overfull or being full allowed her to feel safe. And it was just this first time that she'd made this link of being full equals safe and strong. So, And you can understand, like, when we get hungry, we get shaky and all a bit funny so I can understand where that association came from, but we had to do the childhood work and look where that came from. Mm-hmm. And it came from school. And from school she was the Dumbo or the not smart one or the Bond Bimbo. Mm-hmm. So the teachers back in her generation, she's about 50-something, that it was very black and white the way that the teachers taught. And she believed that she was the Dumbo. So she'd come home and soothe those feelings of being the dumb one by eating sugary, unhealthy food. And even her mum would tell stories of she would go to the bathroom and then go hit the cupboard straight away and eat all the sugary foods. Now, she was also doing that now as an adult and we were working through a situation from this week where she had stressful stuff at work and she was coming home and binging. Mm -hmm. So we needed to make that correlation. And then we did some work around going back to the teachers. And if you had the panel of teachers, she said, uh, we'd be a teacher and a principal and maybe a chaplain or somebody else and we'd put them down as a panel. And we had that little bit of a dialogue 
like what would you like to teach them? Well, not every child believes in or is capable of learning in a black and white situation. I need discussion. I need interaction. So that was enabling her to heal in a way that was probably a little bit different to, say, a psychologist or somebody like that, where she could have that open dialogue and put into a scenario, and that helped her unconscious brain process everything. And then we came up with it's old me that does that behaviour, not new me. New me does this. Mm-hmm. So it was going through that process, and that's where I talk about going back to do the childhood stuff, mm-hmm. then having that dialogue with somebody that's hurt you or in this situation caused a limiting thought and belief, mm-hmm. and then how do we move forward from that? I trust me, I get it. I went to Catholic school from pre-K to high school. So yeah. I don't know if you heard stories about those nuns, I'm like, yes, yeah. <laughs> they leave a lot of depression. Because I have my own faith, but I mean, from that kind of background, there is so much coding. Uh, I see it in a PT scenario where a client wasn't allowed to play in the monkey bars, uh, wasn't allowed to swing on swings because oh dear, you might flash your undies and that's not appropriate from the Catholic nuns. And there's been so much stuff that she hasn't been game enough to do physically and emotionally because of her religious upbringing. So then when we talk about the declutter, it might not be a declutter of physical space. We had to work through and declutter some of that emotional stuff mm-hmm. from her religious upbringing. I'm not being a Debbie Downer on religion, I'm just saying there is stuff there that you get coded with that you need to break free from because it is sabotaging you. It is holding you back from being your best physical self but also your best self emotionally, mentally as well. Right. I mean, I'm not, I don't know if it's a good thing or bad. I'm not the most practicing Catholic, but, Mm. you know, it wasn't so much the religion. I guess back then it was the school you were taught better. But the nuns there were just so mean. It's like, sit there like this. Don't say a word. You do it. And then if you spoke up or you got like hit, like back then Mm. they would hit you. It didn't matter. It's just, so yeah, you were just taught like nothing was ever good enough. I just have to be perfect. You you get that drilled in your head. Crazy. And women should be seen and not girls should be seen and not heard. For sure. And that you're unable to speak up. You don't have any boundaries. You can't articulate your needs. And then I'm dealing with the adult version that's got the emotional eating issue, all because of this childhood coding from a Catholic school. And it could be any religion. It doesn't have to be necessarily Catholic. There's always resourceful and unresourceful stuff that comes out. I get it. So now lastly, for someone hesitant to take a leap into coaching, what would you say that that, what would you say about the value of investing in oneself through this process? So I've actually got a a very tangible example. I had a lady, she was a massage therapist and she was struggling with her business. She was running her own business. And again, we went through all that worthiness stuff, all that childhood trauma, all that childhood stuff. And from that last year, she added an extra $30,000 to her bottom line because she started to step into her own space. She was able to put herself out there in Facebook marketing and various other different ways to promote herself because she was able to work through all of that stuff. So by working through all your childhood stuff then enables you to show up differently in the world. You might go from promotion. I had two clients recently that have gone for promotions because they believe that they're worthy. They believe that they are worthy of that next position that they are capable is not the low self-esteem that's holding them back. So that's in a very physical way and in a tangible money way, but also showing up better in your relationship. If you have a better relationship with your significant other, 
that's going to have a flow on effect. It also means leading by example. So leading by example to your kids, that's a big, big one. It's because I've come from that generation. My, my grandma emotionally ate, my mom emotionally ate, and then I was emotionally eating because I wasn't modelled any other way. Right. So by then doing the work myself, I know that my three-year-old is not going to have that unresourceful behaviour around emotional eating. So it's doing the work so that you benefit in a monetary sense, in a relationship sense, but also for those that are around you, yeah. whether it be your kids, having that ripple effect to someone in your community, uh, the late, the Catholic non-educated uh, child that's now an adult, she's a role model in her workplace of somebody that trains and eats really well. So that it's having a flow on effect to her workplace. Yeah. You don't know who you might touch, move, and inspire by your journey yeah. by simply doing the work and modeling a different way to other people. Right. So that's why I'd encourage people to start the journey. Very nice. Anything else you want to talk about that you're working on, that you're doing, or anything? And another big belief that I can impart this wisdom is having nurture soul time. So, nurture soul time is taking time out for yourself. And as I said, meditation, journaling, things like that. But it could be going to a day spa. It could be a client, her nurture soul activity, because I set nurture soul activities with a client every single week. This is reading the Britney Spears book, having a coffee <laughs> and reading Britney Spears. I'm like, whatever it is for you. Whatever. <laughs> and what that is, is when our bodies are in fight or flight response mode, so that really stressed out state, the fastest acting fuel source is carbohydrate, mm -hmm. which breaks down to glycogen. And we're designed like that from a biological standpoint so that we can just run out of the situation. If we're in a stressful situation with a bear, we can run. But when you don't have any glycogen left in your system or carbohydrate, the next fuel source is muscle. And your body will then burn through all the muscle and chew your muscle stores that you've gone to the gym and worked really hard for and you'll never, ever, ever touch your fat stores. So it's very important that you start nurture soul activities. So write out 10 or 20 hobbies, things that bring you joy, that bring down your cortisol levels, and then make sure that they do happen on a weekly basis. Some of the activities, like I go to a day spa every three months, might be a three-monthly activity, but do something every single week to bring down your cortisol levels. But also for my clients that emotionally eat, the food becomes escapism, but if you then build in forms of escapism before it happens, it's like putting on the sunscreen before you get sunburned. Right. You build in these activities to nurture yourself first, you then won't use food as a way to escape. Mm -hmm. That's if I can encourage particularly women, particularly women that come from the martyrdom syndrome, mm -hmm. that you must go, 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 go and not take time out for yourself. If I can just impart that one piece of wisdom, it's going to help in every other area of your life. Right. No, I think people need to be reminded of that because it's it's always like there's, you know, it's crazy when they'll say, well, there's not enough hours in the day. I just don't have time. But when you yes. think about how much time you waste on stupid things, you can spend <laughs> 20 minutes. Social media. Yeah. <laughs> you can mm -hmm. always find the time. <laughs> yes. <Sounds> good. <laughs> so how could people, um, I guess, contact you or learn more about you? Yes. So my Instagram is Kim Stevenson for Marcus and I am getting into my reels so that I am imparting just like a 90 second piece of wisdom. <laughs> I also have Transformations by Kim. So that is my website and also my Facebook page as well. And I also have Empowered Eating for the YouTube channel 
On my website, you're going to find copies of my book if you'd like to purchase my book. I've talked a little, spent a little bit about it. So Empowered Eating, Binge Free Forever, also available on Amazon. And then I also have my online course where it gives us Tuesday night group coaching session together, but also there's an online self-paced seven-step program to be able to work through all your binging behavior. So those seven steps to become empowered with food. So what I call empowered eating. They're the best ways to contact me. Awesome. (laughs) Well, thank you again for being on the show. Again, that was Kim Stevenson from Marcus. So thank you for listening to Successful Minds with Patty B. Never miss an episode by subscribing. So thank you again. Thank you for listening to Successful Minds with your host, Patricia Barnowski-Schneider. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates, and we'll see you on the next episode.